0: So Holy Saturday forces the disciples to stop, to pause, to reflect, to contemplate, to embrace, to step into their waiting, their pain, and their uncertainty. But after... The Saturday comes Resurrection Sunday and Jesus powerfully, dramatically, wonderfully, miraculously is raised to life again. And beyond that, for 40 days, he walks beside or stands beside his disciples or his followers. I wonder what those 40 days must have been like. I wonder, can you imagine that? Can you get into the story? Can you imagine what it must have been like there's several accounts that with Jesus meeting with people. The first one we come across is he meets with Mary. We see that in John chapter 20. On day one, on Resurrection Sunday, the risen Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Verse 11 of John 20 says this Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, Why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Can you sense the pain and the agony in Mary? Who are you looking for? Says Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Verse 16. Mary, Jesus said. And she turns to him and cried out Rabboni, which is Hebrew For teacher. I love that Jesus just says one word. I love that Jesus just says her name. In her grief, Jesus stands beside Mary. In Luke chapter 24, on the same day, resurrection Sunday, day one after Jesus is risen, Jesus appears to two men on the road to Emmaus. He has a conversation with them. He effectively tells them, gives them a history lesson. Luke 24, verse 27 says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In their confusion, in their confusion, Jesus walks with them. He talks with them. Later, he will share a meal with them and he will reveal himself to them. Again, Jesus, picture it, is standing beside these two men in their moment of greatest confusion. On that same evening, Jesus appears to 10 of his disciples that are effectively hiding in fear after the offense of Good Friday. Luke 24, 36 says, Jesus says to his 10 disciples, peace be with you. He says this to the same group of disciples who just three days earlier Denied him, betrayed him, and deserted him. Just abandoned him. At Jesus' lowest point, they run and hide for their own sake, for their own life. And Jesus turns up. Three days later, they are still hiding. Probably in shame, probably in fear. Because that's why they've locked themselves in this room. Probably in shame and fear. And Jesus says to them, Peace be with you. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't give them a disappointed look. He stands beside them in their moment of greatest shame and greatest fear. Thomas missed that epic disciple Jesus' supernatural reunion. But seven days later, Jesus turns up again to the 11 disciples, this time, and he says to Thomas the same thing he said to the disciples seven days earlier, peace be with you. And he encourages Thomas in John 20, verse 26, or sorry, 27, to put your finger here. Feel my wounds. Put your hand in my side. Feel the wounds. Stop doubting, he says. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. Jesus, again, picture it, stands beside Thomas in this crisis of unbelief, to comfort him, stands beside him. Sometime later, Jesus appears to seven of his disciples. These seven disciples are out in the Sea of Galilee, and they are fishing. That's the same passage where Jesus reinstates or recommissions Peter. Back into ministry, because remember what Peter did earlier on. Whenever Jesus said, "Some of you are going to deny me," he says, "I will never deny you." And before that night was out, he denied Jesus three times. I wonder why Peter was on the boat. It's, I'm reading between the lines here, but I wonder why he was on the boat. He used to be a fisherman. Has he decided to hang up his, I don't know, priestly garments? Made a mess, destroyed that that's embarrassing. I denied Jesus three times. Has he given up on that and he's returning to a job that he used to do or that he's going to go back to? We're not sure. Maybe it's interesting that he might have done that. But isn't it interesting that Jesus stands beside him, has breakfast with him, and recommissions him, reinstates him back into ministry again? If you were to read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, you will note that Jesus appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters. He stood beside them. And finally, in Matthew chapter 28, famously, he commissions his disciples, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And we know how it ends. Verse 20, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's your 40 days. Jesus stands beside Mary in her moment of deepest grief. Jesus stands beside two men on the road to Emmaus in their confusion. Jesus stands beside the disciples in their shame and in their fear. Jesus stands beside Thomas in his crisis of faith moment. Jesus stands beside beside Peter, when he's lost all sense of calling. Jesus stands beside 500 people to celebrate the fact that he is alive and he is risen. And Jesus stands beside his disciples and he commissions them. So you can imagine on day 40, which will later be known as Ascension Thursday or Ascension Sunday or Ascension Day, you can Imagine the sense of shock when Jesus says, it's time for me to go. Can you feel the weight of that? The shock, the confusion, maybe even a sense of betrayal as Jesus Leaves them. Like the disciples have just come to terms with Jesus being alive again. They've just come to terms with the fact that Jesus has been standing beside them for the last 40 days. And now Jesus said, after saying, I'm never going to leave you, after saying that, Jesus is now saying, I'm about to leave you. You imagine the shock? And so we come again to Ascension Day. Acts 1. The famous passage, it's all about the ascension. On one occasion, first four says, While they were eating, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this. He was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. If you're to read on a little bit further, you will notice in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Acts that there's 120 disciples that are left remaining. 120. But didn't we read earlier that there was 500? And I guess the question is, where, where did the five, where did where did those 380 go? Where are they? Did they slowly back away when Jesus says, "I'm going"? Did they start to weigh up the the waiting and the pain and the uncertainty and just think it's not worth it and they just back away? We don't know, but they're not there. Or or what is going through the mind of the 120 disciples or followers who are there? What is going through their mind? Because remember, they don't know what's coming next. They don't know they have to wait 10 days. They don't know there's a chapter two of Acts coming. What must have been going through their mind? I've changed the next part of what I had hoped to do as part of this service. So I wanted to give us some space to reflect, just to pray, just to think through these things, because maybe you feel the weight of this. Maybe you feel the weight of the waiting and the pain and the uncertainty, and we all go through these seasons. And I had planned to do something quite creative, kind of like what we did on Ash Wednesday, kind of where there's like stuff on the screens behind me or that there's wee stations around the place where you could go and you could reflect and you could pray and you could just really embrace the moment in some kind of creative way. And I had that all finished on Monday and I just sensed God say not to do it. And I argued back and I said, but I've literally just finished what I was about to do. It was all printed, all ready to go. And I just sensed God say, no, don't do it. All I want is for you to wait. I just want you to take a few moments just to stop, just to breathe, just to switch off, just to rest, just to think about whatever your waiting is, whatever your pain is, whatever your uncertainty is. Just To wait. And the passage that kept coming back and jumping out to me was just this one Acts 1, verses 4, 8, and 9. Wait. Wait. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying these, Jesus was taken up in a cloud while they watched and they could see him. No longer. So there's the waiting. There's the waiting. There's anticipation that the gift is coming or the Holy Spirit is coming, but there's also the pain of not knowing when that will be and the pain and the uncertainty that Jesus has just stepped away. And we all enter moments of life where there's waiting and there's pain and there's uncertainty. There are moments that we all come to which are like Holy Saturday which don't feel very holy, as the video said. And we want to busy ourselves and we want to distract ourselves with a million other things. And the last thing we want to do is to stop, to rest, to pause, to breathe, to be still. We just want to be busy because we come in those moments like Holy Saturday or those moments like Ascension Day with our questions and with our frustrations and with our pains and with our uncertainties. And we don't like that and we don't like that. And maybe it's easier to be like one of the 380 who just walked away because the waiting, the pain, and the uncertainty just doesn't seem worth it. So all I want us to do for a few moments is just where you are, or if you would like to get up and move to somewhere else and just find a space, you can, you don't have to, just to spend some moments in silence. None of this makes sense to me, Okay? This feels like the most awkward thing that I think we're about to do. And I've been wrestling, literally since Monday, I have been wrestling with God, telling him, I don't think this is a good idea, imagine. But I keep feeling that we're supposed to do it. And I say, well, we'll do the quiet, we'll do the waiting bit, but let's play some music just to create some ambience. And no is the response to that. We're just gonna sit in the silence and the awkwardness. So imagine tonight you are one of the 120 Or maybe you don't even have to imagine that because you have your own pains, uncertainties, frustrations, and questions. Let's just take some time to embrace that, to bring that all to God and just let him minister into his life. Because God does something significant in the moments from Ascension Day to Pentecost Day where he prepares And he works in the waiting of his disciples' hearts. And I think he wants maybe to do the same thing with you. It'd be great if there was 120 in here tonight. I don't think there, well, there's not. But it'd be great if there was. But let's just take some time and wait and be still. And in a few moments' time, don't worry about the time. Sarah and Chris will come. Lead us in a song and then we'll all join together and I'll come back for one last teaching block, okay? So let me pray over us. And then we're going to be in silence. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I ask you to move. Move in this moment. I ask that you will come and that you will still hearts and minds. Will you help us to reflect? Will you help us to bring our waiting and pain and uncertainty to you? Maybe even bring our disappointments and our frustrations and our questions to you. Like the disciples in Acts chapter 1, we enter seasons of silence and seasons where it would seem that you are not standing beside us, you are not close, you feel so, so far away. And theologically, We know that is not true, but practically sometimes that is what we feel and that is what we experience, both practically and emotionally and physically and spiritually. God, you used those 10 days to minister to and to prepare the disciples for Pentecost. So will you use these next few moments? Will you use these next 10 days to do the same with this church and within our lives. We ask these things in your name. Be with us in this time of silence. Amen.